Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I want to teach briefly about restoration. Everybody say restoration. This important subject, and I want you to listen attentively because it's a basis on which God is going to bring you blessings. Amen? So what is restoration? Everybody say restoration. Restoration is the mystery by which children of God get divine replacement for the things that they have lost. It is the mystery by which children of God receive divine replacement. Everybody say divine replacement. I didn't hear you ask divine replacement. So children of God have privilege from God to receive a divine replacement for everything that gets lost in their lives. So restoration is God's own compensation program to compensate his children for the things that Satan steals from them. It is God's remedy to Satan's constant practice of stealing what belongs to children of God. Now, anytime you are dealing with the devil, you know, you are dealing with somebody that Jesus called a thief. Satan is a thief. John 10, verse 10, he says, The thief does not come except to what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. His number one agenda is to steal, then kill and destroy. Jesus said, I have come. That is a restoration program. Amen. I have come that they may have life. Despite all that Satan has stolen. Despite all that Satan has killed. Despite all that Satan has destroyed. I, Jesus, I have come. I have come that they may have life. That they may have it more abundantly. Some Bible version says, have it to the full. Amplified version. Is that the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. I like that. That is why Jesus came into your life. That you may have and enjoy life. I see you enjoying life. I don't know how your life has been up to now, but from now on, it's going to be full of joy. Amen. I said it's going to be full of joy. Amen. Because Jesus has come in, has come in. Jesus has stepped in. Amen. And when Jesus steps in, that agenda of Satan to steal what is yours, to kill anything good around you, to destroy your life, it must stop. I said it must stop. He said, I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full. I like this one. Till what? It overflows. I see that happening in your life. Amen. I said, I see that happening in your life. Amen. We are moving from city and shortage to the abundance. Oh, only three people said amen. amen. To abundance. Amen. I said abundance. Amen. Abundance till it overflows. That is the promise of God. And that is why to pray that everything that deprives you of that which is yours will come under arrest. In the name of Jesus, Satan steals from children of God because of two things. One is ignorance. Ignorance. The second is deception. Ignorance and deception is the trick by which Satan steals every good thing from children of God. Ignorance and deception. When children of God are ignorant... Satan is happy because he will have his way to take that which is theirs through deception. Through deception. It happened in the garden. Go with me to Luke chapter 4 verse 6. Luke chapter 4. Okay. So this is the devil talking to Jesus. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory... 
For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. We will read it in uh, the Amplified. Let's read from verse 5, and then we go to verse 6. I want you to follow me carefully. Then the devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the habitable world in a moment of time, in the twinkle of an eye. Satan took Jesus to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world within seconds. And he said to Jesus, To you I will give all this power and authority and their glory, all their magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, and grace. For it had been what? Turned over to me. Satan didn't say, I created it. So one of the things that we realize about the devil is that the devil created nothing. The devil created nothing. He is not the original owner of anything. Everything you see the devil has today, he stole them. And he started right in the garden. He said, for it has been turned over to me, and I give it to whomever I will. Up to today, people go to him for power. People go to him for wealth. People go to the devil for many things. Satan said, I can give it to whomever I will, but the truth is that it was given to me. In other words, I stole it. So because Satan is a thief, and he steals through deception. He steals when children of God become ignorant. God has a program in place, hallelujah, to make sure that whatever children of God lose is divinely replaced. Restoration means divine replacement. Amen? And, and one thing I want to say is that there are times in our lives when God allows us to lose certain things. And I'm about to talk about that. Satan is the thief, but the Bible makes us understand that sometimes God allows certain things to be taken from you. God allows us to lose certain things because of three reasons. Hello? Yeah. So I want to take you through that quickly. The first reason is what I've already talked about. Satan manipulates people through deception. And ignorance takes what they have. The number one reason why we lose things, precious things, sometimes is because of deception and because of ignorance. Listen, we all don't know it all. There are many times, maybe it's not happened to you before, but there are times in my life today, sometimes I get up and I said, gosh, I wish the things I know now, I wish I knew it 20 years ago. I wish the things I know now I wish I knew it 20 years ago, like some mistakes I made, which opened the door for certain things to happen. I would not have made those mistakes, and certain things wouldn't have happened in my life. My, probably my life should have been better than now. How many understand what I'm saying? Or how many of you have thought like that before? Hallelujah. Yeah. And God knows, today, you look back, the things you know now, you wish you knew it. The experience you have now, you wish you had it when those things happened. When people you trusted, when people you shouldn't have trusted, you trusted them. And today you realize that they just wasted precious things for you. So sometimes you cannot help it. It's the reality of life. You wouldn't know everything all the time. So ignorance opens the door for us to lose certain things through deception. Every mistake you've made in the past, it's because of ignorance. You did not know certain things like you know it now. So, but now that you know it, God will come to you and say, don't worry about that mistake that caused you to lose this and that. Now that you know what you know, I'm going to restore what you lost so that you will not lose it again. Can I hear an amen there? That's what I like about God. He's not going to say, well, too bad for you. You lost it, it's gone. No. There's nothing you lose that is gone forever. Let me say that again. There's nothing you lose that is gone forever. You lost it, God will divinely restore. Number two reason why we lose certain things in our lives. I said number one is what? Ignorance. Ignorance. Opens the door for deception. 
to make us lose certain things. Satan steals things from us through deception. He, he, he makes you make mistakes you shouldn't have made. That is why every now and then God wants you to become wiser and wiser. Hello? And now that you have become wiser, stop regretting for the mistakes of the past. Put it behind you. Because God is going to give you another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. God is going to open more doors for you. God is going to give you more blessings. The only challenge is do not remain in the same mistake. Learn more. Become wiser and wiser. That is God's plan and purpose. Amen. The number two reason why we lose certain things sometimes. Number two reason is because we don't value it. Anything you don't value, you lose it. Anything that God gives you that you don't put value on it, you lose it. And God will deliberately make you lose it until you value it. Then he replaces it so that you can treat it better. Anything God gives you that you appreciate and you value, it will increase. That is why gratitude is very important. It doesn't matter where you start in life. Sometimes you, you'll be surprised to see people who started with only little. But over the years, they have grown to become much. Now you meet somebody who had so much. Over the years, he's reduced to nothing. The difference is value. I don't care where you are now, what you have. The question I want to ask is, what has God given you? Look into your life and look at yourself. Don't be comparing yourself with people. Don't say, look at that sister and look at me. God is not fair to me. Blah, 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 blah. No. Comparison is the reason why many people do not make progress in life. Hallelujah. Appreciate your life. Appreciate yourself. Value what you have. It may be small, but if you appreciate it and you take good care of it and you use it well. God looks at how well you value that thing. He begins to expand it. He begins to increase it. He begins to make it great in real life. Some of the greatest people you meet were then the most gifted. It's so all across everywhere. The most gifted people rather make, make horrible you know, ends. Some of the best footballers we know today were not the most gifted, I can tell you. I can tell you. Some of the most gifted singers, we never heard them. Tell to me about some of the best singers in the world today. How powerful is their voice? They are just ordinary singers. But something came upon them. It called grace. And suddenly, their songs is touching lives. Because somebody else has a gift, but refused to value, appreciate, and use it well. Are you hearing me? Yes. It's so with life. Whatever God gives you, whether it's a gift, whether it's a little thing, a little ability you have, little opportunity and privileges, you value it. You value it. Yeah, you value the little things God gives you. Appreciate them. Be grateful to God for them and use them wisely. It's only a matter of time. It begins to grow and increase. It begins to expand. When you don't appreciate what God gives you, you will lose it. And everything you have, you, you've all heard that story before of the man who wanted to kill himself because um, life was so hard. And he doesn't have anything except one shirt. And then he went to go and commit suicide. And then he climbed a tree, put a rope over his neck, removed his shirt and threw it down. And there was somebody on the ground who was praying for a shirt. Or somebody on the ground who was praying, God, if I can just have one shirt, I'll be most grateful. And then a shirt falls on the ground. He said, Lord, thank you. I was just praying for shit. You answered it quickly. I've lived all my life without any good shit. 
All my shirts are torn. Look at this. It's so nice. I thank you for it. I will forever be grateful to you. He wore it and started walking home. The guy on top changed his mind. So I won't kill myself again. I didn't know somebody's case was worse than mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reason why many people do not appreciate what they have is because they're always comparing themselves with other people. But I came to tell you tonight, you see, take control over your life. Take charge over your life. Don't let people set your life agenda for you. You are one unique person with a unique destiny. Don't let people determine for you how you live your life. Stop comparing yourself with people. Amen? In the book of 2 Corinthians, the Bible says something. Chapter 10, verse 12. 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 12. It says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. That's Apostle Paul. I like that. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The most unwise thing to do is to compare yourself with people. The fact that somebody was your classmate does not mean you have the same destiny. The fact that somebody is your age mate does not mean you have the same destiny. The fact that somebody is your colleague at work does not mean you have the same destiny. God's plan and purposes for us are unique and different. Somebody may have a blessing today. Another person will have tomorrow. Another person will have it next year. God's plan and purpose for us are different. If you want to live your life by somebody else's life, you will fail miserably. You will make mistakes. You will lose what you have. You will be running after the wind and you will never arrive at anywhere. Yeah. Appreciate your life. Value what you have. I don't know where you are now, but value what you have. Value your life. At least you have life. Amen? Do you know how many people are battling life right now at the hospital? You go check. Once in a while, one of the things that will help you is go visit the hospital. Two weeks ago, I was at the hospital to visit one of our pastors who was sick. The lady on, her, on his left died. The one on the right died. The one on the other side died. Within the same week, they were all dead. I saw all of them alive when I went to visit the pastor. Three days later, when I was talking with him, he said, Pastor, the lady on my left died. The one on the right died. The one on the other side died. People are battling for life right now. Look at you. And that pastor, he was on oxygen for like five to six days. Look at the way you are breathing freely. Even with nose mask, we are still breathing nicely. You need to appreciate life. Amen. Yeah. You have to breathe oxygen. Oxygen. Oxygen before they can, you can breathe. Even that time with the oxygen, people were dying. Hallelujah. You will have life. Every day you wake up and you're alive, you know God has not finished with you. Yeah, there's still some fight in you to win some more victories, to take more territories for the Lord. In the name of Jesus, appreciate what you have. And every time in life, we all have something. I said we have something. You have something. You just are not careful to evaluate your life. You are listening too much to the devil. He tells you you are nothing, you have nothing, you are going nowhere. That is the lie of the devil. You see, you spend more time with God, he will help you to see how, how much you have. You will see how much you have. You value what you have. You have a life, you have a purpose, you have a destiny. You have Jesus in your life. I don't know what else can be more than Jesus in the life of a human being. I don't know. You have Jesus in your life. And you still don't think you are any match. You have Jesus in your life. So when people don't value what God gives them, they lose it. Until they come to the place and say, oh, not knowing this thing was so good. Then God said, now that you have become wiser, I bring it back. May God restore to you whatever you have lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. The last reason why we lose certain things in our lives is because you like this one. 
The third reason why we lose things as children of God is because God wants to give you something bigger and better and greater. Amen. Sometimes it's not because of ignorance that we lose anything. Sometimes it's not because of lack of value that we lose certain things. Sometimes you outgrow certain things and God says you deserve bigger. Sometimes you become more than that, what you have. And God says, I want to give you something better. Sometimes God looks at you and says, you've been so faithful, I want to bless you with something better. Sometimes it's very dangerous to keep holding on to something when God has a bigger one for you. Sometimes, no matter how you hold on to it, you will lose it. No matter how you pray, you will lose that thing. Because it's too small for you. You have become too big for that. There are times in our life, no matter what you do, keep that which you have now. God will make it slip through your fingers because he wants to give you something better. So, restoration comes to deal with three major issues in our life. Things that we lost through ignorance, we made mistakes and lost them. Things that we failed to value and things that have become too small for us. Become too small. Become too small. If it becomes too small, God is going to make you lose it. Yeah. He's going to make you lose it. So that he can give you something bigger. Because you can't keep holding on to the small and a big one will come. For the big one to come, your hands must be empty. So he will take from your hands that small, that thing. In a moment, you may feel like you've lost something. In a moment, you may feel like it's the worst thing that ever happened to you until God begins to work. Hallelujah. Recently, I was chatting. I was chatting with uh, one man of God, and he said, ah, can you imagine the prayers we prayed? The prayers we prayed against certain things. He said, thank God those prayers were not answered. He said, Hubert, I mean, look at what God has done now. People orchestrated, conspired against this man of God to just destroy him and make him removed from a small church, which that time we call it a big church. But it was a small church we didn't know. We prayed, we fasted. Hey, we prayed. The day they removed that pastor, my wife was so angry. My wife said, all oh, those people who did that thing were all angry, were all mad. We didn't know it was a blessing. Sometimes you can cry for losing things that have become too small for you. You can cry. You can cry and say, God, how has thou forsaken me? He's up there by you looking at you and said, oh, you shouldn't be crying. You should be celebrating because I have something bigger for you. I have something better for you. I have something greater for you. Yeah. Today, this man of God is all over the world doing, I mean, preaching in places we never imagined, we never dreamed. Yeah. Josh was among the people who were praying, so he understands. Hallelujah. But sometimes you keep holding, you know, onto something small. You hold on to it. I mean, with all your energy and strength, you say, I'll never let it go. I'll never let it go. And God said, let it go. He said, I'll never let it go. Because sometimes we are so blind. We are so blind. We can't imagine that beyond that little thing, there's anything big ahead. Sometimes it's like you are driving towards a sharp curve and it looks as if it's a dead end. But when you drive a little closer, you realize that, oh, it's not a dead end. It's a curve. And some of you here, you've lost things too small. and God is bringing something bigger. Some of you, some doors needed to close to you because it's too small. If that door were to open to you, like you'd be look village champion all your life. God wants to give you a global destiny, global blessings. You are holding on to a village champion in a little corner. God is giving you global dimensions. But you can't see. Because that little thing can blind you. Sometimes little things have power to blind you. You can never see beyond it. You can never see beyond it. You cry and cry and cry and cry. You won't eat. You won't sleep. Because of a little thing. God is saying, ah, you really think you deserve this little thing? You are too big for this. You are too big for that. I can do bigger things in your life. I can do better things in your life. I can do greater things in your life. I can give you much more. Hallelujah. There is nothing that 
is lost in a child of God's life that is permanent. If you're making no, you need to write that down. Let me say that again. I'll say it for like three, four, five times. God, that is the most important part of my message. There is nothing that is lost to a child of God that is permanent. If you lost it, it's not permanent. It will be restored. I don't know what you lost. Money, a bigger one is coming. Don't cry. Don't cry. You lost a job, a better one is coming. You lost some contracts or you lost some customers. Don't worry. If you were to know the kind of customers God is bringing next. You lost some good people in your life. A better one is coming. Bigger one is coming. You lost some favors. Bigger one is coming. There is nothing that is lost in a child of God's life that is permanent. Everything that is lost through ignorance, through lack of value, or because it's too small for you, God is faithful to always restore it. Amen. Now, let me end by saying this. Restoration doesn't mean, it means that, okay, it implies, by, by all that I've thought so far, implies that restoration does not always mean you get the same thing back. Because for some of you, if God wants to give you the same thing, it will still be too small for you. He will give you a bit better. Restoration doesn't mean getting the same thing back. This man of God I'm talking about was never sent to that church again. But he has a bigger church now. Better church. More richer church. Hallelujah. Restoration doesn't mean God taking what you lost, exactly what you lost, and give you the same thing back to you. That's not restoration. But he will make a divine replacement for that which is lost. He will make a replacement. He will replace that which is lost. Amen. And most of the times, it's bigger, it's better, and it is greater. Continue next week, but let's look at two things. What are the things that Satan steals from us? Number one, our time. Our time. Hallelujah. Our time. Time is life. All of life is time. From the day you are born to the day you die, is time. If Satan can make you waste your time, he has wasted your life. Are you here? So Satan is a master at stealing people's time. I've met many people who will tell you, Pastor, everything is late for me. You know why? Because they got to know the right thing too late. <laughs> when they should have known the right thing, done the right things, they were having fun with Satan. And Satan is a master of fun. If you want fun, oh, you're at home with Satan. He'll make you have fun until you wake up and realize all the prime of your life and time is gone. Another way Satan steals your time is to delay you. He'll delay you. So in God's program of restoration, one of the things God does is that he wants to compensate you for lost time. Lost time. Joel 2, 24. Lost time. Some of you, that's all you need, though. Once you can get your timing right. Verse 25. He said, so I will restore to you the what? The years. That is time. That is time. I will restore to you what? Yes. I've met people who have lost Precious number of years fooling around, either with the devil or with whatever, wasting their life. Hallelujah. Some people too, they were serious, but Satan would just hinder them. Even Apostle Paul said, Satan hindered us. Even I, Paul, the guy is a terrible master of hindrance. I will restore to you the years that what? The locusts have eaten the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. Now listen, locusts, what do they eat? Grass, isn't it? Uh -huh. But the Bible says locusts eat years. This is a figurative statement. It's referring to demonic agenda, the, to steal people of time. I've met people with great vision, great wisdom, great abilities, great everything. The only thing they don't have is time. Tell you, pastor, I wish I knew the things and I have the things I have now 
20 years ago. Say, now look at me. What can I do? You can do a lot. I said, you can do a lot. Yeah, you can do a lot. Because God is able to restore lost time. You didn't hear me. I'll say it again. I said, God is able to restore lost time. God is able to do what? Restore lost time. I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Verse 26. Verse 26. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and pray the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Yeah, it's, I will restore. Now, how does God restore lost time? Let me tell you. Are you, are you. Do you want to hear? How does God restore lost time? He accelerates you. Hello? He will do what? He will speed up your pace. He will move you fast. So that what you could have done in the 10 years you lost, he can make it happen for you in a month. Give me John chapter 2 verse 12. John 2 verse 12. Yeah, verse 14. And he found in a temple those who sold oxen and sheep and dove and money changers doing business. And when he had made a whip of course, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changes of money on over 10 tables. Verse 16. And he said to those who sold, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciple remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. This is where my teaching starts. So the Jews answered him and said, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Hello? Listen to Jesus' answer. Listen to Jesus' answer. He said what? Jesus answered them and said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Look at their response. <laughs> then the Jews said, it has taken how many years? 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. That is what Jesus can do. 46 years. <laughs> 40, what it took 46 years to build. Jesus said, when I come into like three days, bam, I can make it happen. May that be your story. I said, may that be your story. God is going to accelerate you. And so, oh, things are so late in my life. God can accelerate you. Listen, no time is too late to marry. Oh, I thought I would hear a better amen. amen. The best time to marry is when you find the right person. Marriage is not a competition. Same way, life is not a competition. Amen? amen. The best time for blessing is when God brings it. If God brings it at 50, he can still make it good as if it happened to you at 20. It's not a competition. If God gives you a house at 50, that is it. That is when God decides to bring it. It's not a race. I said it's not a race. You can't envy somebody who has his house at 20. No, it's not a race. Are you hearing me? But you see, at 50, God can give you a house that somebody at 20 started building. Up to now, he hasn't finished yet. It's not only how early it came, but how good it is. <laughs> Let me say it again. Some of you didn't hear it. I said, blessing is not how early it came, but how good it is. So stop boasting to me about how early you got married, how early you got a car, how early you got a house, how early you traveled, how early. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I have friends who started traveling when I did not have a passport. Do you know when I had my first passport? 2013. It's not how early it came. How good is it? Next week, I'm preaching in Nigeria in a big conference. In a big conference. I didn't lobby for it. I didn't ask for it. I was invited. I was invited. This year alone, this is the third appointment I have to Nigeria. Turn the first two down. This one, I'm going. Now, it doesn't matter how early it came, how good it is. Yes. So there are people here today. Everything is late, but it's up to you to believe God. Some people will have children early. Some people will have later. It's not a race. The difference between Hannah and Penina is not how early somebody had a child. It was what kind of child did each mother give birth to?
Yes. So because Hannah's childbirth delayed, God compensated for that by giving her Samuel. Amen? By giving her Samuel. When there's a delay in your life, God will make up for it by accelerating you. Never hear of people blessing and be sad. No, don't worry. Your time is coming. It's time for everybody. There's time for everything. Yeah, it's, it's not a race. It's not a race. When your time comes and God opens the door, it becomes different. It becomes different. And tonight, I believe God is opening a door for somebody. When we begin to pray, God is about to restore lost time in your life. Time is very valuable. That is why if you are a child of God, one of the things you should never do now is to waste your time. If you don't take life seriously, then this prayer we are praying is useless for you. If all you do is devalue time, as if time is not precious. Let me tell you something. Between the day you are born and the day you die, it's a dash. It's called time. You waste it, you're going to die one day and achieve nothing. Don't sit down folding your hands thinking that life will just happen by itself like a magic. Life doesn't happen like that. People make life happen. What are you doing with your time now? Every day you wake up, it's an opportunity to make something out of life. At least if you don't have anything to do, you can pray. You can pray. I said you can pray. Oh, yes, yes. If you don't have anything to do, you can pray. You can study and read. You can use your time wisely. Invest into life. Stop living as if one day, one day, some magic will happen. Whatever will happen for you tomorrow depends on what you are doing today. You do nothing today, nothing is going to happen tomorrow. You are doing something good today, something good is going to happen tomorrow. You are doing something bad today, something bad is going to happen tomorrow. You wake up today, you roam about, follow, follow you know, all manner of frivolous people, drinking, chasing girls, doing all manner. See, you are wasting your time. That's what you are doing today. That's what you reap tomorrow. You wake up today, gossiping about people, talking about people. Talk, I mean, I mean, wasting all your time on social media, on TV, and sleeping, and sleeping as if that's all you are born to do. That's what will happen tomorrow. You wake up one day, realize that all you have to do is sleep. Life is precious. Whatever time we wasted, let it go. But now, we have to take time seriously. Time is very important. Don't let people waste your time. Oh, yeah. Don't let people waste your time. If people want to engage you, it must be something fruitful, something important. Are you with me? Spend time with God. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with people who challenge your mind. One of the ways to do that is read. Mm -hmm. Anytime you take a book, you are with great minds. They are challenging your mind with ideas and concepts. It is said that little minds discuss people. Little minds. They discuss what? People. Average minds discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. Amen. Find your level. Find your level. He will restore to you the years. The people said to Jesus, do you know what you are talking about? Our ancestors used 46 years to build this temple. You are saying you will, you will build it in three days? <laughs> and Jesus said, destroy the temple. Actually, he wasn't talking about the physical temple, but this scripture is so important to divine acceleration. <laughs> and I understand exactly how it happens. Because I've seen it in the lives of people, in children of God. It doesn't take too long to become great. I said, it doesn't take too long to become great. You just need to prepare for opportunity. You prepare for opportunity. And you wait for it. <laughs> it will surely come. I said, you prepare for opportunity and you wait. David spent all his life throwing the slink, throwing the slink in the bush. Nobody was there. But he said, I will not sleep in the bush. I will not waste my time in the bush. I will not waste my life in the bush. I will make my time useful in the bush. Keep throwing the slink. Keep throwing the slink. You aim at a stick and hit it. You aim at a tree and hit it. He aimed at things and realized that this thing, this I'm, become, I'm, I'm becoming skillful. 
It's not killing little, little animals with it. Kill lizard with it. Kill a snake with it. One day a lion can say, let me try it on the lion. David said, one day, when my chance comes, I'll use this thing. Somebody else would have been in the bush, have the ability to throw sling, but he'll be sitting down, wasting his life. Are you here with me? David didn't have 10 opportunities. He had only one. And that opportunity was called Goliath. Everybody was running away from him. David alone looked at him and said, this is my chance. He said, this is my chance. And somebody here, you've been waiting so long, but an opportunity is coming for you. And you need to prepare yourself. I said, you need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare yourself. Yeah, you need to prepare. You need to prepare yourself. And that one opportunity, David lived all his life in slave house to prison house, but he was waiting for opportunity. People prepare for opportunity. God gives it to them. You never got one. You were not prepared. Only one chance. Joseph said, I won't go to that palace and go back to prison. Once I get out, my gift must bail me out. My gift. I've worked on this gift. This is my last chance in life. I'm, I'm not going back to the prison. When he stood there, all his energy and focus and mind was alert. Joseph wasn't thinking about Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt. He was thinking about prison and how not to go back. That was his mind. He said, King, tell me your dream. The man started. He was very attentive, discerning everything, thinking through, probing and, 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 and deliberating and analyzing and, and, and doing all the things and praying at the same time. Say, Lord, you know, I don't, I won't go back. I don't need to go back to this prison. Help me today. And suddenly, bam, he got the meaning of the dream. He said, King, the dream is very simple. Seven cows, seven years. Seven small cows, another seven years. He said, the dream is the same. God showed you two, two dreams, same meaning. But let me add some advice to this for you. In addition to the... The king wanted interpreting. Joseph said, I give you more advice. Look for somebody who, can, who is very wise and discerning. <laughs> Praise the Lord, who can help you to gather crops, full staff, during the bumper harvest time. Because after seven years, there's going to be famine. When you finish, the king said, ah, who else can do this better than you? Somebody here. You see, Joseph spent 13 years suffering. God compensated him for those 13 years with just one opportunity. He was 17 when his brother sold him. He was 30 when he stood before Pharaoh. 13 years of life, useless life. But he decided it will not be useless. It must count. He decided that it must not be useless. It must count. So wherever you are right now, I want you to know, even if you are doing nothing, there's still opportunity for you to develop yourself. If you are jobless, sitting at home, doing nothing, you can still make something out of the time rather than sleeping. Rather than sleeping, and watching television, and sharing and sharing on social media, you can make something out of the time because opportunity is coming for you. And may you not miss your opportunity. In Jesus' name. Something in your life must break. And doors must, new doors must open. Anybody that will pray seriously tonight, you will receive a visitation from God. Say, my father, I pray over my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I stand on Your word. I stand on Your word, and I pray over my life. And I pray over my life for restoration. For restoration. Restoration. Restoration of every lost year. Of every lost year in my life. In my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Restoration. Restoration of every lost year. Of every lost year in my life. In my life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every wasted year. Every wasted year. Every lost opportunity. Every lost opportunity. Every lost Blessings. Every lost blessings. Let there be restoration in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Isaiah 45, verse 2. Are we already Isaiah 45, verse 2? Ready, go. I will, I will go, go before, before you and, and make, make the, the crooked, crooked places, places straight. straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and, and cut the bars of iron. Now, listen, this is divine acceleration. Amen. Hello? Yes. Some people run. But the road is crooked, full of curves. How much speed can you drive in sharp curves? 
God said, when people take the lead ahead of you, their path is full of curves. They will be slow. He said, don't worry. When you take off, he said, all the curves, I make them straight for you. Amen. You know, you can just step on it like that. It means God said, your colleagues look, seem to be ahead of you, but they are driving through sharp curves. Why are you worried? Why are you crying? God said, when you take off, I put you on the highway. Highway. Yes. You can drive 180. Good road, asphalt. Six lane asphalt. With a lot of space to breathe. And you're just going like that. I see you on the highway. In the name of Jesus. I will go before you. God said, people who have gone ahead of you, I am behind them. They are maneuvering by themselves. By you, I will go ahead of you. Amen. Don't compare yourself with people. I will straighten all the crooked paths. I will level all the mountains. Amen. No mountain on your path. No valley on your path. The path, the road is smooth and straight. When you move, you are just going. Constant speed. You don't go slow down, drive, you know, turn a curve, sharp curve, you know, all those anonymously road signs. No, 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 no. Highway. Highway. I see you driving on the highway. Receive in the name of Jesus. Receive grace in the name of Jesus. 1 Samuel 30 verse 8 is not a race. It's not a competition. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him and said what? Pursue. Somebody said, what did God say? I want to hear you. What did God say? Pursue. pursue. Somebody, I see you begin to pursue. Amen. Now, God didn't only say pursue. He said, for you shall overtake them. Oh, no, no, no. You didn't say it well. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover how many? Clap for Jesus. Now, now, let's do some simple analysis here. David was praying. He said, God, the people took all our wives and children and all our blessings and they are long gone. They left long time. Should I pursue? Can I overtake them? That means for you to be able to overtake somebody who has taken off long before you, it means your speed should be many times greater than that person's speed. How many agree with me? God said, pursue. You will surely overtake. In other words, I am going to help your speed. The people left long time, but don't worry. Just go. I came to prophesy to somebody, whatever it is, that dream on your heart, believe God. It may start small. Believe God. But God is about to help you. Amen. God is about to help your speed. Amen. Don't worry about competitors in the business. Big time business people are competing with you, but God will help you. Amen. You may be nobody. You show up with your little file, no credibility, no credentials, no name, no brand. But favor will fall on you. Amen. I said, favor will fall on you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And they'll give you that contract. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Favor will come upon you. Amen. Oh, I see God doing it. Amen. I see overtaking big people. Yes. Big guys in the marketplace. Amen. You start small with your small business. You overtake them. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Because God is about to help you. God is about to speed you up. They are about to ask questions like, where did he come from? How did he, how did he get here? Yeah. It is the doing of the Lord. Yeah. It's the doing of the Lord. Yeah. You are about to show up in places. Amen. And people say, what is he doing here? And he says, it's the doing of the Lord. Amen. People look down on you, thought that you will never amount to anything. Thought you will never get anywhere. God is about to accelerate you. First Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse, from verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So you know who we're talking about? Jesus. And that he was seen by Cephas. Cephas is who? Peter. But he was first called Cephas, then Jesus called him Peter. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by how many? The twelve. Twelve apostles. These twelve included Judas Iscariot. Hello? And Thomas, the daughter. And then Matthew, James, John, and the rest. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom a greater part remain to the present. That means at the time of the writing 
of the scripture, many of them were still alive. Okay? But some have fallen asleep. Verse 7. After that, he was seen by James. And then, by heart, all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also. As by one born out of due time. Now, this is Apostle Paul talking about his life. Now, Paul said, Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead. And when he rose, these are the, the list of people who saw him. Like, they touched him. Some ate with him. Some, like John, used to lie on his lap. Peter used to push him around, argue with him, you know, challenge him, advise him. Apostle Paul said, many people saw Jesus face to face, really. Somewhere with him, slept with him, walked with him, talked with him. Saw him work miracles, cast out demons, raise the dead. Paul said, the last person to see him was me. He said, even me, I didn't see him physically. I had to see him on the road to Damascus in a vision. So when Peter and James and John are talking about Jesus, Paul should be quiet because those were the real guys. Paul, what, what have you seen with you? What do you know? Let Matthew talk, then James will talk, and then Peter will talk, and then even Thomas will have something to say. Paul said, it was as if I was born out of due time. That means at the wrong time. In other words, time was not on my side. That's Apostle Paul. Paul said, it was like I was in disadvantage as far as Time was concerned. I like verse 9. He said, for I am the least of all the apostles. Do you know why he said that? Because he was the one who never walked with Jesus face to face. In fact, if you read 2 Corinthians, that is the reason why Paul was challenged that he was not a true apostle. Because he was not among the 12. Paul said, I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle. Because when people were walking with Jesus eating with Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning, I was busy persecuting the church. But look at verse 10. Verse 10 is where the real drama started. He said, but, he said, despite all that, despite all the time that was against me, despite all the disadvantage, he said, but, by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, you see, if you want to talk about experience, I don't have plenty. If you want to talk about, you know, real life, in-person relationship with Jesus, I don't have any. Talk to Judas Iscariot, talk to Thomas, talk to Peter and the rest. Me, I don't have. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more banally than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, something happened to me that took me from a person who was late to be ahead of those who were even in good time. It's called the grace of God. I pray for somebody that the grace of God will come upon your life. Amen. Do you know that Paul said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul said, all the 12 apostles, I did more than them. Do you want to challenge it? How many books did Peter write? Three. What about John? Three. How many books did Matthew write? One. What, how many books did Thomas write? Zero. What about um, um, Andrews? Zero. What about Bartholomew? Zero. How many books did James write? One. How many books did Paul write? Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, First and second Timothy, first and second Thessalonians, Titus, he wrote all. He planted more churches. He reached more territories. He achieved more than all of them. He said, I started from behind. But something came upon me. It's called the grace of God. It's called the grace of God. Put your hand over your head. Grace is coming upon your life. They say you are not qualified, but grace will qualify you. Grace will make you overqualified. They said people of your kind cannot get to a certain level. Grace will take you beyond that level. Amen. People of your educational qualification cannot reach certain levels. Grace will take you beyond that level. Amen. People of your tribe, I don't know. I don't know what situation you are in. I don't know. They, I mean, people of your age, they tell you you are late. Grace is going to render useless your age and bless you with favor. Amen. 
In the name of Jesus. Amen. I pray over somebody that the grace of God. Lift up a one and say, Lord, let your grace come on my life. Let your grace Let your grace. Yeah, let your grace. Let your grace. The grace of God is divine enablement. It's the divine enablement of God. Receive the grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. Oh, the apostle. Jesus used him so much. All the apostles couldn't understand. How did he get here? We were with Jesus. He just arrived recently. But God gave him insight into mysteries. When Paul began to talk, people wonder. Apostle Paul said, look, when it comes to visions and dreams, look, there are things I can't tell you. Because when I tell you, you don't understand. There are things the Lord showed me. But it is between me and him. I won't tell anybody. That is Apostle Paul. And people were like Thomas, couldn't, didn't have anything to do. As for Judas Iscariot, he didn't even start the race at all. The Lord is about to give you grace. Amen. Where people thought... You can never reach. I see you exceed that place. Amen. I see you go beyond. Amen. Where people thought you can never become. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Amen. for divine acceleration in the lives of people. Amen. Restore the years that people have lost. Restore the years that the enemy stole Amen. through their family lineage. Every demonic interruption and interference to mess people's destinies up. I command divine correction. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. let every interference be corrected. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. let every interference be corrected. Amen. Every mess of the enemy in their, in their destiny, let it be corrected. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. every mess in the bloodline, let it be corrected. Amen. By the grace of God, Amen. I pray, let your grace... I declare, from behind, you are moving to the front. You are late, but the Lord will accelerate you. Amen. From today, lateness is over in your life. Amen. Lateness is over in your life. Amen. I see you run with speed. Amen. I see you run with speed. Amen. The Lord is compensating you. Amen. Receive grace now. Receive grace now. Receive grace now. John chapter 11, verse 21. It amazes me how the Holy Ghost gives me topics like this from strange scriptures like that. Now let me show you something. This is not in my notes, I tell you. The Holy Ghost just spoke it to me. Listen, what you thought is going to happen 10 years from now is about to happen today. Amen. You know that I used to tell a lot of my friends when I'm on retirement, the car I want to use God didn't have to wait till I go on retirement. One day, a man of God came here and said, Pastor, what is your dream car? What's a dream car? It's something you plan in the future. The following month, God gave me my dream car. Pastor Fossil will tell you, I had no plan of buying that car. God forced it on me. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, somebody say, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Is that not good faith? Yeah. Now, listen to the response of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Your brother will rise again. Yeah. No, 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 don't clap yet. Listen to that. said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. What time? Martha said, you and I, we are on the same plane. I know my brother will rise. Only that, I know that it will happen when the trumpet sounds, like the rapture, that is the problem with some people. The Lord said, I should tell you that. Stop thinking of certain things 10 years from now. Believe God for it now. Yeah. Some people didn't hear me. Let me try here. You see, some of you, you've been poor so long. You've suffered so long. God is showing big visions, but you are thinking about when you are 80 years and ready to die. God said, I should tell you that. It's now. It's now. Don't be like Martha. What Martha did is not faith. She's just religion. There are many religious people in the church. They talk Christian, but there's no faith. Your brother was like, oh, I know. Oh, are you sure you know? When? At the rapture. Listen to Jesus. Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Martha, you don't need to wait for rapture. I'm here. I'm here. What God can do 10 years from now, he can do it now. Need to wait for rapture. You don't need to wait for angels to blow the trumpet. 
believe God for it now. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Stop talking about the resurrection of the dead. That is religion. Jesus said, when I'm here, what is supposed to happen 10 years from now, it happens now. In other words, I shorten the time. I shorten the time. I make things happen fast. I make things happen quick. Don't let the devil tell you when you are in Christ, things happen slowly. It's not true. It's not true. It is times and seasons. When you are in your season, things happen very fast. And I see you in your season. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. This month, I declare an open heaven over your life. Amen. Every area of your life is running with speed. Amen. From now to the end of the month, your speed will know no hindrance. Amen. Your speed will know no limits. Amen. Nothing will stop you. Amen. Nothing will hinder you. Amen. Nothing will obstruct you. Amen. Your speed is beyond explanation. Amen. It is beyond understanding. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.